Welcome, everybody, to the Boiler Alert Podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. With you, as always, I am your host, Andrew Ledman. Still Ryan Bonaparte. Still. Ed, did you ever find out if you got accepted into the Big Ten? Um, not yet. I mean, I'm on the wait list, okay. so I'm kind of in, like, um, Cal and Stanford to the ACC territory. Gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, you're just waiting to hear. Um, well, I got my fingers crossed for you. I, I hope you get good news. Um, mm-hmm. So today we're going to continue our look at both the basketball roster. Today is Braden Smith's day, and then we're going to look at uh, the next football opponent on the schedule. This time it is Nebraska. But there was quite a bit of Purdue news um, over the last week that we wanted to touch on at least uh, a little bit. But before we do that, I do have a question for you, Ryan. It is an Indiana, state of Indiana-related um, question. Um, are you ready? I think so. I'm a terrible Hoosier, I'll be honest. Well, it's more generalized, so I think you'll be all right. So, okay, it is state fair time uh, in the state of Indiana and, you know, Iowa and a lot of Midwestern states right now. So, let's pretend mm-hmm. you're, you're going to the state fair, you're walking down the midway, and it is time to get your state fair snack. Two questions. Mm. We're going to take these, I'm going to take these uh, in a either-or question, and then I'm going to give you an open-ended one. So, you see okay. a stand with an elephant ear or funnel cake. Which one are you getting? Ooh. Um, I'm going to go with the elephant ear. Ooh. I just, I like that. It's more classic for me. That is, that's just unfortunate. I mean, I get it. It's cinnamon and sugar. <laughs> but, you know, it's basically just, you can do that at home. That You can, like, bake, make cinnamon sugar toast at home, and it's basically the same. Uh, to, to me, it's all about the funnel cake. You get the powdered sugar on top, maybe like some butterscotch sauce or chocolate sauce, a little whipped mm. cream. That, to me, is the superior fair food. But, look, I'm not going to turn down an elephant ear. Right. And I will preface this. I wouldn't get either of those okay. if I went to the fair. Okay, there we go. That leads right into my next question. What is your fair food of choice? So, there, there's a toss-up here. And, honestly, if we're going fair food, you have to eat the most unhealthy food you oh, can yeah, think Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Of. Absolutely. So, for me, honestly, I would say that mine is the vegetable cart, like the deep-fried vegetables. What? Yes, that is my favorite. What? Like, you, yeah, you give me deep-fried broccoli, and I am happy. This is absurd. I think I might have to kick you off this podcast. You literally just said... one thing, though. Okay. The next go-to is deep-fried Oreos. Well, that at least makes sense. Deep fried vegetables. Yeah. Get out of here. Get out of here. Unbelievable. It's just a classic staple. Oh, I mean, maybe I'm the bad fair goer as I long think as you being are. a bad. I think you are. I've of all the things you could have chosen, never you could have given me twenty guesses. I would not have said deep fried vegetable. I mean, I'm a complex person. I guess. I guess. <laughs> um, you know, for me. If I, especially if I'm in the in, if I'm going to the Indiana State Fair, I want to find a really good tenderloin. Um, okay. I love me one of those delicious deep fried piping hot tenderloins with a bun that's you know a third of the size. Um, and then any state fair really, um, it's even out here in Maryland. You can find really good milkshakes. Uh, you know because okay. they got the the fresh milk right there, uh, fresh ice cream, everything else. Right. So you can always find a really good uh, really good milkshake. So. That is what I would say, but man, deep fried vegetables. Whew. <laughs> <sighs> I don't. I just don't know what we're doing here, Ryan. I just don't know. Well, I I should also say I haven't been to a fair in a long time. Yeah, I mean that's fair. 
That's fair. Ha, fair. Um, <laughs> all right, so a couple other things that happened over the weekend. Uh, Gene Cady was finally officially inducted into the uh, Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame, got his gaudy orange jacket, um, and it was just wonderful. Um, he didn't really give a whole speech. He gave a, a pre-taped about two-minute um, talk about you know thanking everybody who helped him get there. And mm-hmm. I, I thought it was really nice that Tom Izzo apparently wrote his application or, you know, whatever they call it. He was one of the people who uh, helped push him through the nominating process and getting him in there. So I I thought that was pretty cool. You know, we're, we're not huge fans of Tom Izzo on the podcast, but I thought that was a really classy thing to do. And um, in his speech, Katie mentioned, you know, Bruce Weber, Steve Lavin. He mentioned Matt Painter, Kirk Clausen. So a lot of the guys who really – made a difference in his career and in his life. And it was great to see everybody on Twitter, all his former players, um, just talk about what he meant to them. You know, I saw Brian Cardinal um, chip in and just talk about how much he meant, uh, how much Gene Cady meant to him throughout his life. Um, You know, it's you just love to see it. I mean, the three amigos were there with him. So that was just really cool. And I'm glad glad he got it, you know, while he's still able to enjoy it. Um, Because with a lot of these Hall of Fames, you worry that, you get too old and then you get inducted when you can't stand up, you know, you don't really know what's going on. And that's really sad. Um, so I'm glad Gene right. now can, can, uh, enjoy this throughout his twilight years. Um, I know you came to Purdue after obviously Gene Katie was there. Um, I was there yep. in his very last season was my freshman year. Um, have you ever had any interaction or anything, um, with Gene Katie? No, not specifically. Um, I did find it really cool how he said, you know, his one of his greatest accomplishments was seeing how successful Matt Painter was, like taking just pulling the all-time coach move. Right. Like, yeah. And your players are a great coach too. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was a very classy thing of him to say. Um, you know, I know how difficult for Coach Katie it was to leave Purdue. Um, he didn't want to retire. He didn't want to leave, but he also didn't want to continue to have bad years toward the end like he did. Um. So when they brought in Matt Painter, I'm sure it was a strange situation at first, but obviously it's paid big dividends for both Katie's legacy and for Purdue as well. So um, kudos to to everyone involved uh, there, and and congratulations once again to Gene Katie. Uh, well-deserved honor for him. So uh, yeah, two, absolutely. two more bits of Purdue news. Um, Ryan, what do you think of the new Purdue football uniforms that are the old Purdue football uniforms of the Drew Brees era? I mean, it's it's a win-win for the creative staff. You go old school to get the uh, previous fans super engaged. I mean, I looking at X Twitter, um, <laughs> it's just absolutely people going bonkers for it. And then it's a modern twist on it, so you yeah. get the new fans excited too. So I think it's really nice to see and. I'm I'm happy the gold is updated. That's that's really the biggest thing for me was the uh the helmet gold is a sticking point for me. Okay. And I like it. Yeah, it does look good and I'm not sure if it's just uh how we've seen it with the light on it, if it is actually a different color um or not, but I do think it looks good. Um so we'll see how it looks, you know, come game day uh when we get an actual, you know, a true true look at it, but I think they couldn't have done better. Uh, you know the the Purdue basketball or I'm sorry Purdue football uniforms have really just been so generic. They could have been for any school. 
Um, and that always kind of stinks. You know, you want your team's uniform to be uh, distinct in some way, to have something that stands out, something that pops. And I think while this uniform with the Breeze era might not be, you know, distinctly Purdue, might not have any one thing that says Purdue on it, it really does harken back to those days of Drew Brees um, and Joe Tiller. So I think for Purdue fans, it means a lot. And if you can't go with something distinct, um, you know, or find something like Oregon where you get a new uh, uniform every 12 days, um, mm. it, it's, it's good to go back to something that means something to the fan base. And this uniform was the revitalization of Purdue football. Um, so Purdue fans will always look at it fondly. And the cattle catchers are gone. Yeah, I know that's a big sticking point for you. Uh, would you like to expand upon that? I just, I never liked them, especially with the black uniforms, because they were black cattle catchers on black uniforms. It did not look good to yes, me. Yes, that was dumb. I never liked it. Um, so I'm so glad those are gone. They also moved to the new format of Jersey. So it's not... They basically took the step behind the newest ones. Right, right. But they're still gone are the weird striping on the collar as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, so they you know every time Nike comes out with a new era of uniform, they always try to tell you that like, oh, the piping by the neck is for this and that and you're like, "No, it just it's just there because you wanted a mm-hmm. new uniform and you're updating it and you're going to sell them to schools for, you know, more money." Um, and sell them to fans for more money. So whatever. Uh, but yeah, I think it was. I think it was ultimately a good move um, by Ryan Walters and the football staff. Um, whoever made that decision, I'm not sure where that one comes from. Right. Um, one more thing: Purdue basketball over in Europe. Uh, they have basically cleaned house. Um, no issues so far. Uh, no injuries. No nothing bad. Um, we've seen a lot of good stuff from Caleb First, from Trey Kaufman Wren. Uh, and Braden Smith uh, has been racking up some assists um, in a couple games. I know he didn't score, I believe, in the most recent one, but he had 11 assists. So it looks like he is really taking uh, another step in the point guard role. Um, so unless you have something that you wanted to say about the European trip, I think that's a good transition into what we think Braden Smith uh, needs to do for next season. Yeah, I think it's uh, really nice, and honestly, the player I've been looking at in these tournament games is Brian Waddell. Yeah. He just he looks really healthy, that knee looks good, and it's in- really encouraging. Yeah, and then you forget like how big he is. He's, what, 6'8", yeah. and he, just, he has a size that Purdue doesn't really have. He plays a different kind of... Uh, basketball than everybody else kind of at his position. So if he can truly, you know, look as healthy um, as he has in Europe, he might really turn some heads and it would be, it'll be hard to keep him off the floor, which is a, again, it's a good problem to have uh, for Matt Painter, which we've, we've talked about numerous times on this pod. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, all right, we have got Braden Smith, one of the we're getting toward the end of the roster here because we're into true sophomores. Um, so, of course, Braden Smith last year, uh, kind of a revelation for this team. I don't think anybody expected him to be quite as good as he was, especially because Painter wasn't recruiting him until, you know, just a few months before he committed. You just you, you heard the story throughout the season of they needed a point guard, so Painter got sent, you know, three or four tapes of guys and they're like, these three are rated higher, but this guy is interesting to us. That guy, of course, was Braden Smith. 
uh, Painter watched the film and was like, well, this guy's the best one, obviously. He's like, well, let's just offer him. So they did, and the rest mm-hmm. is history. So uh, Braden Smith, of course, uh, started, I think, ev- did he start every game? Uh, he, he played in 34 games. For some reason, my stats here are all messed up. Um, yes, yeah, he started 35 games uh, for Purdue, averaged 30.3 minutes, which is just uh, kind of crazy uh, for a true freshman. He had some really right. great games, um, but, you know, at times he did look like a freshman. He had some struggles from, from time to time. The, the one that stands out to me is the game I went to at the Palestra in Penn State, uh, against Penn State, because both him and Lawyer did not really do great in the first half, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, but then they came right. out and really, really turned it around that second half and pushed Penn State completely away, and it was a big win. Um, and, you know, when you win the Big Ten like they did, every every single win uh, makes a difference. So I, I think Braden Smith, he unfortunately, the biggest thing he could do, probably not possible, grow a couple inches. Um, but, you know, we don't think that's going to happen. He's listed at six foot. We assume he's probably around 5'10", 5'11", um, but he, he really, I mean, he has to have been one of the best surprises um, of the last five years. Of yeah, absolutely, and it's, you don't see this in Matt Painter's system. You don't see this, uh, you know, trust in a true freshman, and it's... Yeah, especially a true freshman point guard. Yeah, exactly. So it worked. Um, I'm I'm gonna say he had a phenomenal freshman campaign. Oh yeah. Uh, as you said, there are some hiccups, there are growing pains, but other than that, I I don't think it really could have gone much better. Yeah. Especially for a guy that you know, Braden Smith's not a one and done guy. So clearly, you know, you're gonna have a couple years where he continues to build mm-hmm. and you don't need to expect the world of him from year one. And I think we got more than what we need or expected. From oh him. yeah. Without, I mean, without a doubt, I don't think it, you could have given me a best case scenario for Braden Smith. And if you would have said 9.7 points, 4.2 rebounds and 4.4 assists per game, I would have been like, no, that is not possible. Um, right. There is no way he's <laughs> going to get that. And especially, I mean, playing 30 minutes as a freshman, true freshman, in the Big Ten through a just absolutely meat grinder of a conference was really impressive. Um, I think the biggest thing that Braden Smith can can work on as he goes um, into his sophomore season is just continuing to, you know, make clean passes, find the open man, because... He did score, you know, just under 10 points a game last year, um, but he needs to continue to be a facilitator and a floor general um, mm. out there for Purdue each and every each and every game. Um, because with a guy like Zach Eady down low, you know there are going to be people open, and you've got to continue to find them open looks and get them, um, especially beyond the perimeter, good looks, um, and hope that they can knock them down. Unlike some games last year. Yeah, and I think part of that limiting his turnovers is mm-hmm. it seemed a few times that what he would do is he would get caught in the air. Oh, absolutely. You are 100% right. I should have mentioned that. Yeah, so when he does that, he, he kind of has nowhere to go. And oftentimes he will drive, you know, blow past the basket, jump out, you know, over the baseline and then turn back, and at that point, you have to make a snap decision, and if it's not there, it's turnover. That happened 
it happened enough times for it to be a pattern with uh, Braden Smith last season. So I think kind of limiting those type of turnovers is really gets you down to where you want to be. Yeah. Obviously, you want to be at no turnovers, but <laughs> right, that's yeah. not possible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think you it, redeemed yourself from the uh, deep fried vegetables with this bit. So I don't want I didn't want to cut you off, but you're back in my good graces now. Okay. Good. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that gets fixed honestly by him aging, you know, you don't, you know what to do and what kind of plays not to make. So, it's almost like, hey, I'm a freshman. I don't really know that I can't be that flashy all the time. Yeah. So. Yeah. Sometimes um, the sometimes the best pass is the simple pass. Um, exactly. Not every pass has to be a, a Trevion Williams a behind the back no look uh, pass that leads to a dunk or a, you know a throwaway off your uh, teammates' hands because they didn't expect it. So one one thing I think um, that's also worth noting is how well he did shooting the ball. Um, 43% from yes. the field, 37% from three, and 86% from the free throw line. Um, you'd like to see those numbers maintain. Obviously, improvement would be great. Um, but, you know, 37% from your point guard uh, is pretty good, and I, I hope um, he maintains that shooting percentage because he just looked he just looked really good last year. Um, I mean, just an absolute revelation at the point guard position for Purdue. And with, mm-hmm. with Lance Jones uh, coming in and backing him up, Maybe that allows him to play fewer minutes this year uh, and be a little fresher and not have to go out there and feel like the world is on his shoulders. Maybe that's something that can help him. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, kind of that freshness is really important because if you kind of look at his last couple games with Purdue, um, you know, you have the Ohio State game was his last really solid game. Um Penn State, he kind of started to hit a wall, and he uh, went 0 for 8 in the Big Ten tournament. Whew. You know, missed four threes, only scored two points. Now, I believe they were actually clutch free throws for him because that's something Braden Smith is great yeah, at. Yeah, that is true. He's two for two from the free throw line that game. Um, so you know, he had four assists, seven or four rebounds, seven assists, which is great. It, you know, it's fantastic. But with only two points, at some point you think, okay, do you hit a wall? And yeah. you don't know if that's truly what happened. But what really started to sh- where he struggled in the fairly Dickinson oh, game. Oh yeah, he he looked was, he looked not good. Yeah, it was the seven turnovers, mm-hmm. and I think we kind of hypothesized this. Fairly Dickinson was a smaller team. And they could run circles around Purdue just because they were all athletic guys, as tends to be with these small teams that make it to the tournament. And just you wonder if Braden Smith finally, you know, was gassed. Yeah, especially, I mean, he played played 34 minutes in that game, too. Yeah. So to your point about Lance Jones coming in, I think it will be beneficial to Braden Smith. I don't think losing minutes will really mess up a rhythm for him just because it's not, it doesn't seem to be that kind of um, hurt for him. So if Lance Jones is there and he gets a couple more minutes of rest and it doesn't affect him later in the season, I think that's where you really see those dividends come out. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think the hopefully a reduction in minutes with Lance Jones coming in and, 
to your point, a ability to make the smarter pass and not you know jump up in the air and get kind of caught um, would be two great improvements. And then mm-hmm. it's it is Purdue basketball, so we should at least mention that we got to be better at breaking a press, and that so right. often relies on your point guard, relies on Braden Smith, and now Lance Jones. Um, so if the two of them could you know figure it out um, as that uh, classic gif with the guy screaming. Uh, uh, says that would be great. So we are going to take a break, come back, and talk about Purdue's upcoming game against Nebraska. And we are back. So as promised, we're continuing our look at the 2023 Purdue football schedule. This week, Purdue taking on, uh, we're going to talk about their game against Nebraska. Now, Nebraska, of course, a petulant entrance to the conference that no one really likes. They think they're better than everyone, uh, but I will give them credit for one thing and one thing alone. Uh, they had a really great "This Is Sports Center" commercial with the guy at the DMV. Do you know what mm. I'm talking about? I vaguely know what you're talking about. Yeah, this is the, this is the guy who's trying to get the custom plate at the DMV in Nebraska, and he's like, uh, "What about Nebraska, uh, Brasky boy?" And they're like, "Taken, taken." And he just leaves. He's like, okay, I'll be back in five minutes. And then he runs up and he's like, what about, oh, oh, sorry, man, sorry, man, uh, brasky pants. Um, so my my uh, college roommate and one of my best friends, Matt, and I, we, we talk about this commercial uh, probably more than anyone else uh, alive. Uh, and we specifically say brasky pants uh, quite a bit. So uh, I will give them that. They have one of the best This Is Sports Center ads in the history mm-hmm. of those, those marketing campaigns. So other than that, uh, I give – Nebraska, absolutely no credit. They had another stinker of a season last year. They were four and eight overall, three and six in the Big Ten. They were the only, only victory uh, for the Northwestern Wildcats over in Dublin, Ireland. They lost to Northwestern thirty-one to twenty-eight. Reminder that Northwestern did not win a game on American soil last year. So yeah. that's a tough one. Um, so I mean, listen, listen to. Their victories last year were North Dakota fighting Hawks. They beat IU and Rutgers, and then they somehow beat Iowa, which made no sense. Um, hey, I mean, things happen. Yeah. It gets us into uh, Big Ten Championships. Yeah, I mean, it worked great. It worked great for us, but it was it was just shocking. Um, I mean, the fact that they lost at Georgia Southern was just – I mean, that's embarrassing. That is embarrassing. Mm-hmm. So, um, Purdue beat them last year, forty-three to thirty-seven. Uh, that one was in Ross Aid Stadium. Um, so that means this year's game is on the road at Nebraska. So Ryan, I know you're our stats guru here. You're going to tell me all about Nebraska, who they got, who they lost. Um, this game Saturday, uh, October twenty-eighth. We don't know the uh, TV station, and we don't know the official kickoff time yet. Um, so what, what do we know about Nebraska? Yeah, so we know their biggest addition over the offseason was a new head coach in Matt Rule. Um, so Matt Rule failed in the NFL, as uh, several college coaches seem to do, but he was definitely the uh, program revival guru in college. He did it with Temple. He did it with Baylor, and he's going to attempt to do it with Nebraska. So, as you mentioned, they had three wins last season, and after the loss to Georgia Southern is when the uh, second coming of Cornhusker Christ 
Scott Frost got fired. Man, that so, guy was so bad at his job. He was, and, and he, he and he got looked paid millions, so much money. millions, and he looked like Landry from Friday Night Lights. Yes, he did, and still does. I would assume. Yes, yes, still does. I shouldn't say did. You know, although <laughs> Landry from Friday Night Lights married to uh, um, Kirsten Dunst, so you know, good for him. I did not know that. It is okay. true. Yeah. All right. Um, I have no bridge from that fact, so. <laughs> Um, the, uh, head coach to take over for Matt Frost in the interim was Mickey Joseph, their defensive coordinator, I believe. So he, he filled in okay. He went a solid three and five or three and six, eh, you know, you do what whatever. you got to do at Nebraska in that point. Right. You know, he, he had a, he had a, he didn't really have a great situation that he took over there. Exactly. So, um, Nebraska, didn't have many all-stars on offense. Their quarterback was Casey Thompson. He he did okay, you know, 173 for 274, uh, so 63% of his passes for 2,400 yards and 17 touchdowns, but he did have 10 interceptions, so not great. He also had five rushing touchdowns. Um, their backup quarterback... In Chubba Purdy, that is a name. That is, yeah, that's that's a top ten name right there. Mm-hmm. Um, completed 46% of his passes for less than 150 yards and three interceptions. So it was Casey Thompson or bust. Um, their, yeah, their quarterback room was not doing great. Their running back was Anthony Grant. So he had a pretty good season. 218 rushing attempts, 915 yards, six touchdowns, and 100 receiving yards. So, I mean, he had a 1,000 net yard or total yards. Right. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you can't can't knock that. No. Especially when the guy throwing you the ball isn't too, too great. And, you know, Scott Frost is your coach for roughly half a season. Yeah. Couldn't I mean, sch- couldn't that. scheme his way out of a wet paper bag. Mm-hmm. So... The one star of the Nebraska offense was Trey Palmer, who you should know because he was drafted by the Buccaneers. That is true. That is true. It seems to be a common theme in yeah. this. Yeah, I mean, we got, I think, three different guys we've talked about have all been drafted by the Bucks. Mm-hmm. So, in 12 games, he played in every game, 71 catches for over 1,000 receiving yards and nine touchdowns. So, he... Really went off. I believe the Purdue game, he went absolutely ballistic. Yeah, yeah, he had a great game against us, if I'm remembering right. Yeah, I want to say he had two or three uh, catches and runs for over 50 yards. Yeah, that was maddening. Mm-hmm. Because that, that turned the Purdue game into a complete shootout. Um, the only other player or there's two more players i have highlighted in marcus washington he was a junior receiver uh caught 31 catches for 471 yards and a touchdown and then travis vokalek who he's also an nfler he's uh got drafted by the ravens he caught 20 catches 240 yards and two touchdowns out of the tight end spot so he had um, sort of a down year, but kind of like um, Iowa tight ends. He got drafted just because right. 
career. Yeah. You know. And and so I looked up I looked up Trey Palmer last year in that Purdue game. Seven mm-hmm. catches, seven catches, two hundred and thirty seven yards, two touchdowns with a long of seventy two. Mm. So that's a game. You know, uh, I'm glad he is no longer there. Yeah. So um he he does yeah, he's gone, so We'll we'll kind of talk about the incoming players for Nebraska. I've got a long list, as is the case with new court or new coaches. Yeah, you got to churn but that roster. Yeah, it, it churns. That's for sure. <laughs> um, I will say one of the departures for Nebraska in their wide receiver room probably had one of the best names out of college uh, football, more so than. Chubba Purdy. No, I don't know. It I'm going to have to hear it. It's DeColdis Crawford. Was that the guy who had the NIL deal with an air conditioning company? Yes. Okay. Yep. So, and now Scott he left. Frost got a guy named DeColdis. Unbelievable. And that was the marking stamp on his career with Nebraska. So, let's, where did he go? We can leave it at that. Where'd he go? Do you know? Hmm? Do you know uh, where he Louisiana left? Tech. Okay, so not somewhere where it's the coldest. No, quite it's, it's quite the warmest. Yeah, the humidest. Yeah. So, um, just it. They're a walking meme in Lincoln, Nebraska. So, there's that. Um, now, kind of offense as a total, Nebraska put up twenty two point six points a game. Not great. No. They not allowed, Iowa bad, but yeah, not Iowa bad. So I'll kind of stick with offensive numbers for now. Actually, they um, the difference in plays: four hundred and twenty rushes, three hundred and forty passes. Okay. So one hundred and twenty-three rushing yards per game, two hundred and twenty-one passing yards a game. So they can they can move the ball pretty well. Just couldn't get it in the end zone. Yeah, it's just. Scoring was difficult for them because they had 34 touchdowns total throughout the season. Not awful, but I mean, considering we just talked about Ohio State last time and they had 75. Yeah, that's a scary offense. And the time before that, we talked about Iowa, who had like six. (laughs) So, with just three different scales in three different weeks. Yeah. Um, the offensive line, not great. Allowed 34 and a half sacks. Um, and it, they had a rough time last year. There's no way, two ways to put it. The offense just struggled. And when your head coach is an offensive coach and he's not good at his job, you're going to struggle. Yeah. So the special teams uh, tried, I guess. Well, there you they go. Had, <laughs> If that's the best thing you can say. Whew. From uh, extra points, which, you know. Wait, wait, say that again? 34-35 for extra points. Okay, all right. Yeah, 9 of 13 field goals, so not awful. But, I mean, when you only try 13 field goals in the season. Yeah, you got to hope. You, like, they they, you, they move, need all those points. Yeah, how do you move the ball so much in a game and then not not get touchdowns or field goals? It's It's incredible. Um, their punter put in a lot of work, 68 punts for just just under 3,000 yards. Oh, wow. So 44 yards a punt. Man, the Big Ten got good punters. They're, like, there's, mm-hmm. I know that's a weird thing to brag about, but nearly everyone we talk about on this podcast seems to have a really solid punter. 
Yep. Um. So my stat of the day. All right, here we go. This is what I've been looking. This is what I've been looking forward to, Ryan. Yes, absolutely. I did the distance from Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska, to the Lincoln Memorial. Okay, right in my neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. It would take Nebraska forty-one thousand nine hundred and fifty-two punts. It's a lot of punts. Yeah, your leg would be jello. No, yeah, your leg would fall off. <laughs> so, um, not many players made that much of an impact on Nebraska's defense. They had Luke Reamer, who was pretty much their their uh, leader. He had 86 tackles, a sack, and a pick. They had one guy, uh, Malcolm Hartzog, one of the DBs. He had three interceptions, and then... They had Garrett Nelson was their sack leader with five and a half. Uh, not, I and mean, that's that's not exactly a uh, blow-you-away sack number right there. Yeah. They had five and a half. Second most was uh, O'Shawn Mathis with three and a half. So between them, they had nine of Nebraska's 21 sacks on the season. So not great. They allowed just under 28 points a game and over 400 yards of offense a game. Oh, boy. Yeah. And it was a pretty even split. 189 on the ground, 225 through the air. Yeah, that's pretty close. I mean, 36 difference. Yeah. So not great on defense. I didn't really have too, too much on them. They just, there's no, there's no stars on defense for Nebraska. So, when you have a new coach come in, when they flip a roster like this, it can, you know, either turn the program a complete 180 or, you know, people are like, I don't want to go there. I don't even – and granted, they got a big-name coach um, in rule, but it, do you mm-hmm. think the guys that they brought in, which I'm sure you're going to tell me about in a minute, do you think those guys are enough to kind of flip the program or is it going to be more of the same? I think that these guys have a really good shot of flipping this program. Okay. And I'm going to name you not really the names of the players, but, like, the schools they're coming from. Okay, yeah, that makes more sense. So we've got Wyoming and Utah. We'll kind of ease into this. Wyoming, Utah, then Notre Dame, Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. Oh, no. Virginia, Arizona State, Texas A&M, Baylor, Florida, Georgia Tech, Florida. That's a lot of Georgia and Florida. Yes, so that rule really did go down south and recruited hard out of the southeast. So, I mean, obviously this is just on paper now, but four of these guys are slated to be starters, including their starting quarterback. Okay. Uh, Jeff Sims from Georgia Tech. So he was, uh, you know, at Georgia Tech, he did his best and, like, made a market, you know, in a smaller Power 5 school. Now we'll see what happens when he's behind, you know, 80,000 fans in Lincoln every other week. Yeah. So these guys are really making uh, this roster bolstered. We'll see if it works. Um, did they... Now, did mind they... you, a lot of transfers went out the door, too, right. but that's just the you know, carousel of coaching. Yeah. Did they bring in anybody on offense weapons wise for the quarterback? Because obviously they lost their top receiver in Palmer. Um, Is there anyone who it looks like can come in and take that role? 
So one of those starters I mentioned was a wide receiver in Billy Kemp. He came from Virginia. So, like, the SEC schools didn't really provide that many offensive guys, um, but that's kind of nitpicking at this point. But like I said, yeah, Billy Kemp and Jeff Sims are the two offensive uh, weapons that they brought in. And to the tight ends they brought in, are from Notre Dame and Georgia. So that seems to be effective. They're not really slated to be starting right now, I don't believe. But that could just be um, the depth chart. It's not ever finalized yet. Right. So there's there's so much turnover that you don't know these individual situations. You don't know if it's a guy who couldn't play at these big schools and sort of went to a new program looking for a fresh start or didn't get enough snaps for their liking just because they are such a big program that, you know, will they make an impact on a top five roster or in George's case, a number one roster? You don't know. Right. So, yeah. I mean, the tight end from Georgia, you know he's not surpassing Brock Bowers. So, um, so you don't know the situation always. That being said, nine times out of ten, if you get into one of these schools, you've got talent. So that you can't understate that. Either. Right, right. Yeah, it's just a matter of if, if you can reach that potential. Because a lot of you know a lot of a lot of recruits don't. You know, they come in and they truly miss the mark. So let's hope mm-hmm. that they got a lot of those guys. I wish nothing. Uh, no ill will toward the actual players from Nebraska. I just don't want Nebraska as a team to succeed. Mm, yep, exactly. Uh, put them out there with the West Coast teams. That's right. You you go travel to California every week and then back and then up to Oregon for some reason. Um, yeah. So, I mean, is there anyone else you need to mention or just kind of overall what's your take on Nebraska given these changes? Or is is it kind of like how we're going to view Purdue. You know, we just don't know. We like what we've seen. We like the additions, but until they get out there on the field, you can't really know. Yeah, it's more that. I mean, I think I think that Nebraska got one of the two top head coaches in this coaching cycle, right? Between Nebraska and Wisconsin, they got the top two in Luke Fickle and Matt Rule. Matt Rule's known for rebuilding programs, and he's done it fairly quickly. Did Was he but, the guy who came in? You said he was at Baylor. Did he come in after Art Bryles? Is that what, when he was there? Yeah. Okay. And he brought, uh, I believe he brought Baylor to the playoffs. Right. So he's done it before, but if we're being completely honest, Baylor and Temple are not on the same scale and do not have the same expectations as Nebraska. Yeah, that's true. So I I don't know if, you know, if Matt Rule doesn't bring them back to their 96-97 glory days from 30 years ago, um, will they just run him out of town and say he didn't do enough? Right. Or will they be content and say, okay, this is the new college football. Can, you know, we're not going to be on the same level as these other teams. So it, it's really a difficult situation. And Scott Frost brought this program so low, 
especially for their standards, that you don't know if someone can really pull them out of that enough to do what they want. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. It, it's a it's a hard situation to be in as a head coach, for sure. Um, right. Yeah, I, I don't envy him um, at all. But, of course, I will be rooting against him. And he was the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. And yes. as a Buccaneers fan, I obviously was rooting against him because they're in the same division. So I have no love in general for Matt Rule. But uh, I, I hope he gets his millions and in three years he walks out the door because they let him go. Right. Um, I mean, it's co- similar. I, I think of it like a Purdue program. Purdue was so low with the Hazel days that Jeff Brom came in and Jeff Brom didn't bring us up to, you know, he's not he didn't make us national contenders. But us as fans were still content because we saw what he did. I don't know if Nebraska fans can do that. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, the expectations are just so different that will they be content with a program that is competitive again and is in the conversation, or will they demand you know getting back to the college football playoff? I, I don't know, but that makes his job that much harder. Right. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, he'll try. He certainly will. Well, so um, there we go, folks. That is a look at Nebraska. It should be, uh, by the time we play them in, in the end of October there, uh, both Purdue and, and Nebraska should have a better idea of who they are as teams. So when we talk about that game uh, later on in the podcast, we'll have a better idea of what we're going into because right now both teams just have a, so many question marks given the coaching changes and the huge roster turnover. So um, we will certainly give you more information when we get closer to that game. So. And Ryan and I are going to be ramping up um, podcast recording as we get closer to um, the season. So recording tonight, August 13th, and this starting Wednesday, we're going to record a second podcast, uh, and we're going to be doing that until we get uh, to the beginning of football season, and then we'll have two a week again, just like we did uh, during football season last year. So be on the lookout for additional episodes as we prepare for football season. So Ryan, thanks so much for joining me, man. Uh, you redeemed yourself after a rocky start tonight. Um, good info on the punting, but man, deep fried vegetables. I just don't know. We'll have to, I'll have to get you on that bandwagon, I guess. Oh, no, that bandwagon is, is not for me. Not for me. Okay. All right. For Ryan and myself, thanks folks for listening. Uh, tune in middle of this week for another episode. Boiler up. Hammer down.